Hey everybody, welcome to Turn It Up, an intermittent podcast from Turning, your hybrid learning leader, celebrating the potential and the people behind effective hybrid learning solutions. Turning is committed to engaged and equitable learning for everyone, everywhere. So if you're an educator, a student, a trainer, a worker, or just an overall believer in equitable and engaged learning, you have come to the right place. And, uh, you know, I think I'm meeting today's guest about 30 years too late uh, because he would have been the absolute perfect uh, college professor for me. I mean, like designed for me. Uh, Dr. Rick Olson, uh, who's with us today, is an associate professor of communication studies uh, and department chair at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Uh, but beyond the connection that we uh, already have, just as communication enthusiasts and scholars, if you will, uh, it's the research that Dr. Olson has done in areas of uh, pop culture and sports, including published research on MTV, which literally shaped my life as a teenager, uh, the NBA draft, uh, I was a huge basketball player, uh, TV shows, and SUVs. I mean, Seriously, this this uh, this guy's got to have a waiting list for his classes that stretches semesters long. Uh, but the reason that he's on uh, our show today, aside from just indulging my personal uh, proclivities, is uh, is the way is for the way that he's really taken an already interesting field of study and made it even more engaging uh, through the use of technology. Uh, when he's not working. Uh, Rick stays busy jamming with his band, which is cool again, uh, playing basketball, cool again, uh, and most importantly, uh, and the coolest of all, uh, trying to be a husband and a dad that is worthy of the family that he's been blessed with, uh, which is the coolest of all. So let's get ready to turn it up today with Dr. Rick Olson. Hello, Dr. Olson. Greetings, Jeff. Hope you're doing well. Really well. It's great to have you uh, on the show. And, and seriously, let's just dive right into how I'm geeking out about about the area of work uh, that you're doing. But you know, and and as a as a as, as a communication studies you know um, zealot anyway, you know, it, it's already a very dynamic uh, and one of the more creative, I would contend, you know, kind of fields of study for for an undergrad. Uh, but you've so you've taken an already. Uh, one would argue, arguably uh, engaging field, and you've 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 dialed it up, you've turned it up, if you will, um, through technology. How did you have you always been a tech guy, and you just it was natural for you just to bring in this these elements of technology into an already you know pretty interesting field uh, already? Yeah, no, Jeff. Actually, part of part of communication studies is that it's immediately relevant, but that also means everybody thinks they already know oh, yeah. everything about it, right? And so you have different barriers. With physics, people probably say, I can never learn this. With communication studies, people say, I already know this. And so it's a different teaching challenge. Uh, and while the subject matter can be relevant and hip, uh, I teach a research methods class, which is not quite as fun and hip <laughs> as, uh, you know, analyzing the NBA draft. Um, and so I also teach it because we have a limited number of large lecture spaces on campus. And because I'm a department chair, I kind of need to get my class out of the way and then go put out fires all day. Mm -hmm. And so I teach at 8 a.m., Monday, Wednesday, Friday with 130 students, research methods. 
So part of what I was looking for early on in my career were some solutions, not necessarily to the subject matter challenges, but to the pedagogy and scale challenges of an 8 a.m. class with 130 students Mm -hmm. as a single course load with no teaching assistant help. Um, That's just the way it is and still is uh, 20 plus years later. So I was looking for basically the things that some professors can dole out to a TA, how to let's grade daily quizzes. Um, So I needed something that scaled Mm -hmm. and I was one of the earliest adopters of a clicker technology back in the day when it was infrared and we didn't have a preferred vendor on campus. So literally my classroom had two or three engagement systems all at the same time. It was a complete nightmare. Um, And then turning came along, had better privacy protection of data and some other kinds of things. And I was actually a faculty member that organized a vendor shootout. (laughs) I I worked with our IT department. I said, this this is unsustainable. We've got to have one clicker in the bookstore. Students shouldn't be financially obligated to pay for all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's get it down to one clicker. Let's get your support staff trained. Let's, let's do this right. And I don't care which one it is, but somebody has got to win this shootout. And yeah. so we, within about a two week period, we had all four vendors come in and our IT folks were like, oh yeah, it's, it's turning technologies. Mm-hmm. No question. This is the one we want. And I'm like, well, this is the one I want. And so <laughs> we just, we just said preferred vendor status. This is the only one we're supporting. It became a baseline standard in terms of software for all our classroom computers. And off we went. And it went from, I hate the clickers, the clickers, you know, stink, blah, 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 in my teaching evals to actually getting the following sentence, which was the clickers were one of the best parts of the course. It, this is the only textbook I've ever read cover to cover. <laughs> that's great. No, that's really yeah. great. And, How- and I've made it fun. And, you know, I've got my strategies that work for me so that it is low stakes, high fun, engagement. Mm-hmm. How has, you know, over the course of those, you know, 20 years, you know, um, both uh, technology, obviously, um, but students have changed and, and, mm-hmm. and, and specifically, you know, students' uh, relationship with technology. And so as you think back to perhaps the novelty of what, you know, the clickers represented way back when, and now, you know, you've got students coming in <laughs> armed with you know, more technology and more native technology in their life than they, you know, than uh, certainly than 20 years ago. Is it more, is it more challenging? Like has, has the engagement game, have the engagement stakes been raised where now it's even more imperative, obviously to engage, but is it harder, even though you're still, you know, utilizing technology or do you find that the way you're using the technology is, is, is just as you know, effective today as it was 20 years ago. Yeah, no, I think, I think the, the student is changing for sure. I mean, you can look at all the data on Gen Z's and millennials and, you know, you have to be super careful. If you're going to be a great teacher, you got to take every student on their own terms. Um, and that's what I'm striving to do. I mean, one of the things that I like about the clicker technology is that it offloads things I don't want to do and leaves me more bandwidth for the things I do want to do. Mm-hmm. What I want to talk about with a student is their paper topic, not basic comprehension of material. Mm-hmm. So if I can use low stakes quizzes to get them past basic comprehension into the zone where they really need a human, um, yeah. 
that's a win. Yeah. And so that teaching challenge has manifested in different ways at different times. You know, it used to be harder and harder to get students to read. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a daily quiz and I say, hey, guys, uh, I want to reward you for reading. Uh, get out your clickers or, you know, and now I'm using the app a lot more because we're I'm in North Carolina. Uh, we have hurricanes. Um, we have covid. So we have lots of disruption and the app. We didn't want to have the cell phone out on the desk. It was mm -hmm. kind of a source of competition. But the reality is um, they're going to have it out on the desk in meetings for the rest of their career. So they kind of need to learn how to manage that temptation. Yeah. And so I said, OK, I'm going to use this. And it it just allows for disruption. We had a hurricane and we've had COVID. And I've had students uh, click in from Charlotte, New Jersey, the Midwest seamlessly and yeah. then be in the class they might be in the class today and at their sister's wedding in Wisconsin on Friday, there's they can still click in. So yeah. it's been, it's been really good. Yeah, no. And that is so, so well said. And, and what, and I've commented on other uh, episodes, this whole idea of the new normal is I'm just, I'm getting tired of it personally because <laughs> I think oh, this yeah. is, but, but I do think, and, and, you know, for someone like you who has actually been utilizing technologies like this and, and it's almost like you're, you're ahead of the game, not only in ways to engage, but also now when we are redefining what it means to learn and the expectations that, you know, it's not only about creating a more engaging experience in the classroom. It's really as much about, and even when you talk about, you know, whether it's the, um, you know, getting some of these, um, I don't want to call them mundane, but more the task, the task management uh, aspects that technology can help um you know, uh, sort of satisfy it's as much of an efficiency thing yeah. as it is an engagement thing. You know, it's getting stuff off your plate and that you can focus on some of the higher order, higher levels kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, Jeff, you know, you can go broke buying stuff on sale, and, <laughs> you know, like just cause it's on sale doesn't mean you have endless money to right, spend. Right. And it's the same thing with engagement. Like I could be a phenomenal teacher I wouldn't have weekends. I wouldn't have, you know, a yeah. marriage. I wouldn't be a great dad. You know, there, there, you've got to find a way to fit great teacher into the work week, into mm -hmm. the, the, the time available. And so you're absolutely right. I mean, for me to be able to grade 130 quizzes in five minutes to upload and I have my, you know, what happens if your clicker doesn't work protocols and they're in my syllabus and we talk about them and all that sort of stuff, you know, cause tech happens, but I can grade 130 quizzes in five minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and that gets me in terms of Bloom's taxonomy, that gets the recognition, understanding, and even low-level application stuff out of the way. Yep. And then I can take and do the hard work and give up a few Saturday mornings or whatever it is to grade writing from, from the teams about research proposals and all that sort of stuff. And And there's no way that if I'm grading daily quizzes by hand, I've got mm -hmm. the capacity left to do that. So it's, it's all about, for me, a strategic way of, as you say, scaling the help, scaling, and then figuring out how to get up Bloom's taxonomy through the technology at the low level and then the human connection at the higher level. Yeah, that's so cool. How about, you know, you've got such an interesting background also, like I said in the, in the intro, I think you would have either been the coolest professor or we would have just been really good friends hanging out, doing all the same <laughs> kind of stuff. But in, you mentioned even early in your career where you, you know, you sort of like 
uh, organized this like shootout with you know the IT department. So were you a tech guy? Like, would you have described yourselves yourself as? Would technology have been part of your sort of? Well, that would have been an, an arrow in your quiver of interests way back when, or um, is this something that's kind of been a little bit more as your as your area of work has evolved? It's become a, a more part of your personal kind of interest. Yeah, more door number two. I, I'm not afraid of tech, but I'm not an early adopter. I mm-hmm. still don't have an Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't have wireless earbuds till my my kids were making fun of me. You know? so, <laughs> like for me, tech is a tool. And until I need the job done that the tech does, yeah. I don't feel real drawn to the tech except for my music, you know, my keyboard. I, I want my keyboard to be, you know, kind of fairly, you know, recent and cool. Yeah. But um but, you know, beyond that, it's just doesn't do the job. And and actually, I'm also the guy in, you know, on the committee that says we're, we're guilty of technological bloat here. Can we figure out which tool we're going to use and optimize that tool instead of just grabbing at new tools? So part of my role now as a department chair is to kind of coach my faculty into some of these tech uses and to go down the hall and say, hey, guys, you know, you don't have to take attendance manually. Like there's this thing and, and our students are already buying a license and, you know, and, and we can do, you know, certain kinds of things. Now, you know, other platforms are catching up. Canvas has an attendance feature, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So there are, there is more than one way and you want to be open to that, but, but really trying to, uh, you know, once we had it working in our foundations classes, it was very easy for follow-up instructors to then say, okay, they've got the clicker, and they've got the license, I'm going to use this in my class. And so it, the thing that, you know, digital native is a, is a very misused term. It really doesn't mean that they're an automatically a critical thinker and a, and a high level high end Mm -hmm. user of technology. It means they've grown up within Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. technology. Um, And so it's more of an environmental feature than it is simply a toolbox for them. Yeah. And so what I think, that does for us though, is putting an app on their phone, no big deal. Right. Um, and so that's why we, 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 we kind of went with the app, um, not only from the disruption, but also, okay, this is now just an inevitable part of their reality yeah. and we're going with it. Um, so yeah, I, you don't need to be a techie person. Uh, you just need to say this thing solves my problem if I learn how to do it right. Yeah. Well, I, it, it's so well said. And I think we're almost, as, as I was listening to you talk, it's almost as if, you know, what the digital nativity uh, has done for us is actually maybe um, brought us back to appreciating the fun within education anyway, the fundamentals of education are, are, uh, have never left. So you still you know what, what the digital environments now that young people are being, uh, you know, kind of growing up in, you've released a barrier, you've released the, uh, maybe an anxiety that prior generations would have had about, okay, what happens when I do this and blah, blah, blah. So you, you don't have to spend any calories overcoming mm-hmm. that. Um, and then, and then because you don't, what it, what it just, reminds everybody is that effective teaching, effective instruction, it, it has nothing to do with technology. Like you said, it's just a tool. Technology is not effective instruction. <laughs> it's not, it's not, you can't abdicate your responsibilities, whether you're an instructor or a trainer or a boss or, or a student, you can't, you're still, the fundamentals of engagement are still inherently human and technology can certainly 
be an accelerant uh, to it. It can it can enhance it, but it cannot. It it doesn't uh, it doesn't ensure it. You know. Yeah. Uh, so. No, you're absolutely spot on. I mean, you're absolutely spot on. Um, we have a campus commitment to high impact practices. So, you know, we, we use the abbreviation HIP and we're going to be a HIP campus. Ha ha ha. But, you know, the high impact practice issue for me, again, it, it can be a seductive term, but to your point, Jeff, unless you do it well, the Socratic dialogue sucks. Yeah. Unless you do it well, the field trip is a waste of time. And they're saying this could have been an email or this, you know. And so all of this high impact practice stuff has to be understood within the framework of well executed. And the digital native piece comes in in terms of they they aren't making significant distinctions between a digital experience and an organic experience. So uh, a Zoom, Zooming in an alumni is meeting that alumni yeah. with a digital native. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They've met them. They're not qualifying that with, well, yeah. I met them over Zoom, right, but right, I didn't right. really meet them. They yeah. met them. And so, um, you know, I think as instructors, we need to keep that in mind. Right now, we're all Zoomed out and we're all sick of COVID and all of those sorts of things. But in terms of where, you know, this gets into, you know, where the industry is headed or where education might be headed with digital natives, the hybrid or digitized or mediated experience is an experience if it's done well. So it's either a high impact or a low impact, not necessarily a big distinction between um, digital versus organic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that's where, again, the clickers come in because the clickers, again, give me more bandwidth and energy and class time for high impact practices. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if I can be sure that out of 130 students at 8 a.m., that 90% of them read it because there's a daily quiz instead of 30% read it because I'm doing quarterly exams, that means then I can have a high impact practice discussion. Yep. Yeah. It's almost like you can, you can afford it. Like you've got the time to now afford that. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> to, discuss, and yeah. to and to trust that the discussion is in fact going to be a deep yeah. engagement with material requires that everybody read. So for me to trust the discussion as a methodology, I have to trust that people have a basic comprehension of the material. If I can't trust that, then I can't, really, really trust discussion as a high impact practice. Oh, well, that's great. I love the connectivity. It's really part of that whole system of, of, uh, of, of both engagement and, and just learning. So that's yeah. great. Um, okay, we are, uh, time goes by so darn fast here. We're already, uh, at the, um, kind of closing segment, uh, of the big show here, uh, that we sure. like to call uh, turning the page. A little play on words here. Uh, rarely part of the show where if we haven't gotten to it already, um, and we haven't really gotten to this yet, um, is we like to give each of our guests the chance to kind of look into a little bit of a crystal ball of sorts to see or wish or predict uh, the future a little bit. Um, and so, uh, Dr. Rick, as, as you turn the page um, and look ahead to kind of the future of you know, kind of this whole space, so whether, you know, you want to call it hybrid learning or, or technology, you know, digital natives, you know, whatever, wherever you want to take this, um, when you look ahead five years, what, what's different, what's better, what's, what are, what, what, uh, what are you seeing five years from now? Well, 
I've been a department chair for 15 years, so I'll, I'll, I'll answer partly with a teacher hat on, partly with a chair hat on. I, I, I see uh, three quick things. Um, one is, I don't know if you remember when robots entered the automotive industry and they, Robbie, the robot was going to be your friend and they were going to do the hard, you know, help you do your task better. <laughs> and, you know, that, that for better or for worse, some people got unemployed and some people, you know, now take care of robots as their main jobs and, you know, the workplace got safer, et cetera. I, I think to a certain extent, some of the uh, pedagogical tech, whether it's maximizing an LMS or using things like Turning Point, you're, you're, the folks that don't do that are, are out of a job. Mm-hmm. Um, the teacher, the, the student expectations that I can check my grades 24 seven and see the assignment description and not have to go find the email or go dig in my book bag. I mean, the idea that LMSs will be optimized and tech like turning will be optimized. It will be a baseline, not um, a distinctive. Mm-hmm. I think the second thing is, we have to embrace that we are forever more in a hybrid work from anywhere world. Yeah. And we need to get our students ready for a hybrid work from anywhere marketplace. Um, you, you're responsible for your Wi-Fi connectivity. Like mm-hmm. that, I tell my students all the time, if, if the clicker's not working for you and it's working for 99% of my students, it's you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And yeah. if you drop a sales call, you look bad in the marketplace. Like yeah. the, there's marketplace equivalents for managing your digitality um, in a work from anywhere world. I'm not asking you to get on the shuttle and get to Morton 100, you know, lecture hall by mm-hmm. 8 a.m. anymore. I'm saying you can take it from your home or mm-hmm. you can come to class. But if you're taking it from home, you better have a good yeah, life. It's got to work, right? You know, and so I think number one, we get ready for a hybrid world. Well, number number one, we leverage our technology as a baseline. Number two, we get ready for a hybrid world. And number three, I think part of where we're headed is is embedded uh, certifications and credentialing. Hmm. Um, you know, we're an Adobe campus, and one of the things that we're um, we're figuring out in the communication studies department is how do we get them as far down the path? We're not going to hijack our education for training. We're not going to, you know, bait and switch there, but Mm -hmm. how can we potentially make room for, make space for, even if it's student organizations or if it's concurrent stuff, um, how do we help them get as close as possible to some credentialing and certifications that serve them well in the marketplace Yeah, without losing education. Right. Right. You're not, you're not going to turn into a, a Voltec school, but yeah, right, no, I hear right. what you're saying. Well, and I think that, yeah. what we want them to do, we want to have heavy, long discussions about the ethics of images while they're learning Photoshop. Yeah. And I think those things in every industry are, are happening. Um, or, and in every major, there's probably some connected certifications and credentialings that would, that would strengthen the degree uh, in, in, in helpful ways. Again, I don't think it's an either or throw out the baby with the bathwater. It's really about how to make room in a flipped classroom style or some other kinds of things for both 
uh, marketplace readiness and a strong liberal arts, versatile, transferable education. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, there's no better discussion to have than how do we get both of those into a four-year experience? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. And how and how do you? And you've described it so well. How do you? How do you essentially make the technology? Um, just woven into everything where it's not this sort of like, and I've used this in the past, it's like this channel approach where it's like, okay, well now, now we're using technology. Okay. And now we're not, you know, and now we're, right. we're going to flip this switch and kind of get our whatever tech hats on. It's like, no, it's, it's a, it's a tool and it's used throughout. And uh, your certification example is a great one where you can get a very technical and, and tactical level of skill sort of developed and certified, but, while you're actually working and thinking and exercising parts of your brain um, that are attending to maybe more of those other, you know, kind of liberal arts kind of areas, but you get them both done at the same time. I think it's well, and I know we got to go, but, but when we teach the history of rhetoric in our field, we talk about rhetoric moving from an act. Like you just said, we're doing rhetoric. Now we're not, we're starting Mm -hmm. our speech and then we're stopping our speech. And then, as we moved into to a, a deeper understanding of it, we, we realized that everything human has a rhetorical dimension to it. So it's not about stopping and starting rhetoric. It's about what's the rhetorical dimension of that building? What mm-hmm. is that building trying to say? What is that t-shirt, that sweatshirt, that whatever trying to say? And I think the same kind of shift is happening with technologies as they get more ubiquitous and embedded. It's what's the technological dimension to what we're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. Not are we going to use technology or are we not? It's what are the technological implications and benefits and challenges? And what's the technological dimension to what we're doing? Fantastic. Seriously, we could talk, uh, we could geek out on communication and all this kind of stuff. We didn't even get when you're bringing up the uh, keyboard um, technologies. I wanted to go so deep on Moog synthesizers, which I'm sure you had at one point in your, uh, in your long career of uh, musicality. We'll do that after, after we let everybody else go. But I did want to thank you very much, uh, Dr. Rick Olson. Thanks so much for being here on Turn It Up. Thanks for everything that you're doing uh, down there with your, with your students on campus and just uh, really, you know, what you're doing to kind of advance the kind of thinking that you shared with us uh, over the last few minutes. So, Thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for listening. Visit us at turning.com to see how turning can turn up your hybrid learning.